Welcome to the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency, helping you do more and be better. And now here's your host, Zachary Sexton. You are tuned into the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency. My name is Zachary Sexton, and today I have with me Rory Vaden. Welcome, Rory. Thanks, Zachary. Nice to be here. Hey, it's great to have you. I just got done devouring your book last night. And just a little background for the people out there listening. Rory is a co-founder of Southwestern Consulting and a self-discipline strategist. His first book was called Take the Stairs, and that's where he really dives into that. I'm actually looking forward to getting that book very soon because it seems it seems like I read the prequel, even though you wrote them out of order. Um, he's also an internationally renowned speaker. And his first book, uh, Take the Stairs, was number one in Wall Street Journal, as well as the New York Times. And his new book, Procrastinate on Purpose, is the first book to ever really focus on the emotional side of productivity. And it presents five methods that will give you more time tomorrow by identifying and focusing on what's important today. So Rory, that's just a little overview. So maybe you can take a minute and tell us about yourself personally, who you are and and what you do, how you help people out in the world. Well, I mean, I think that's a pretty good that's a that's a pretty good introduction, actually, Zachary. It was brilliant. It was magnificent, and it was exactly how I wrote it. As a matter of fact, <laughs> <laughs> I changed some words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, I think it's really good. And and you know the the last time you were in front of a set of escalators and some stairs, one of the questions I always ask people is, "Did you take the stairs?" And for most of us, the answer is no. Most of us choose the escalator. We kind of naturally gravitate towards the path of least resistance and and take the stairs we really talked about the psychology of overcoming procrastination improving self-discipline and and how to do the things you know you should be doing even when you don't feel like doing them and so that's really what the book was about and i think that book has been translated into 11 languages um now so far and i think people are realizing and take the stairs that self-discipline isn't as hard as we think when we know how to think about it the right way. And so that's what that book was all about is how to do the thing you know you should do even when you don't feel like doing it. Well, what procrastinating on purpose is um, was really what to do with everything else. So, okay, there's these things you need to focus on and do, but what about everything else? Like you, you, just, you just never answer emails. Like obviously you can't just never do these other things. So how do you handle all of the busy work? How do you keep up with the speed of life and work. And, and that's what really, um, there's, there, in Take the Stairs, we, we talk about a new type of procrastination that we call priority dilution. And priority dilution, uh, the reason we call it new is because unlike classic procrastination, that kind of affects you know the people who are maybe lazy or apathetic or disengaged or whatever, priority dilution is the chronic overachievers procrastination. And what happens is as we become successful, we have more and more stuff on our plate. We have more and more people vying for our attention. And so all of these these tasks come into our purview and our priorities start to dilute. And it's very frustrating because people can be working longer than ever before, working harder than ever before, working faster than ever before, having more tools and technology, and yet we never seem to be caught up and our stress levels seem to be rising. And so procrastinating on purpose was our, our mission to set out to solve that problem for people. 
Well, that's great. And I feel like the book really resonated with me because maybe I'll put myself into one of those high achiever camps. And when I'm feeling stressed and overloaded, it's just like, well, I was doing the right things. I'm, I'm not procrastinating. Uh, but really what it was is I just hadn't gotten the, my priorities exactly right. And you've got a really unique method, a unique take on how to really distill your priorities to concentrate your um, the most important tasks. You start the book by saying that everything you know about time management is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is what are some of the biggest myths that people in the world today you know have misunderstandings about time management? Well, it, here's the, the the first one is that the history of time management theory is is evolving and it has evolved, but m- most people are not they have not evolved their thinking. And era one time management thinking was one dimensional. It was all about efficiency. It was about managing our time to fit more in, to do things basically to develop, you know technology to do things faster. It was kind of in the 50s and 60s on the the heels of the manufacturing era. Well, in the late 80s, primarily through the release of Dr. Covey's perennial bestseller, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he brought us into a new era of time management thinking, which was uh, not managing your time, but prioritizing your time. And he created two-dimensional thinking, and he gave us a y-axis, which was importance, and an x-axis, which was urgency. And basically, we could use that time management matrix to score our activities and, and determine, you know, which one was most important. And, you know, it's not that there's anything wrong with efficiency. Effic- all things being equal, efficiency is good, right? Um, I mean, obviously, efficiency is a great, a great thing. But efficiency kind of has this point of diminishing returns because we're all moving faster than ever before today, as evidenced by the fact that we all carry these miniature computers in our pockets, right, our cell phones. And, and yet we're still never caught up. So um, prioritizing is very valuable because prioritizing basically teaches you to focus first on what matters most. But here's the big limitation that most people have not yet realized. There is nothing about prioritizing that inherently creates more time. We throw the word prioritizing around like it's the end-all, be-all of time management strategy. But prioritizing doesn't create more time. All it does is take item number seven on our to-do list and it bumps it up to number one. Now, that's a valuable skill, but it's still not creating more time. And so what has evolved, and, and part of the reason why we have so much stress is because you can't solve today's time management problems with yesterday's time management strategies. And so what multipliers do, people, uh, we are now in an era that we are calling era three, which is m- not managing your time or prioritizing your time, but multiplying your time. And you multiply your time by making what we call the significance calculation. So if importance is the y-axis and urgency is the x-axis, then significance is the z-axis. It makes it into a cube. And when you look at significance, um, if importance is how much does something matter and urgency is how soon does something matter, then significance is how long does something matter. Well, that, so the, the biggest thing that people have that is wrong with time management today is most of us are only making our calculations about how to spend time consciously based upon ur- importance and urgency. What And you even think about the, the modern day to-do list. We put the to-do list 
together by asking ourselves the question, what's the most important thing I have to do today? And yet, that's not how multipliers think. Um, the to-do list and urgency keeps us tracked in the paradigm of only thinking about the here and now. What multipliers do are they're making that significance calculation. They're thinking longer term. And so instead of saying, what's the most important thing I, I can do today, multipliers are saying, what is the thing that I can do today that makes tomorrow better? So that's the, that is the significance calculation. And, and so you multiply time by uh, spending time on things today that create more time tomorrow. And that is, in, in one sentence, that's the premise of the whole book, and that's how you multiply time. You multiply time by giving yourself the emotional permission to spend time on things today that create more time tomorrow. Could you maybe give us some examples of some significant tasks that will give you more time by working on them now and give you a little bit more margin in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's, I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, an infinite number of them. And, and the, the litmus test is just that question is, what can I do now that creates more time tomorrow? Um, of course, we have the focus funnel in the book, which is um, basically five different, there are five different categories of things that multiply time, eliminate, automate, delegate, um, concentrate, and then procrastinate on purpose, which we can talk through. But just to give you one really ubiquitous you know, practical example. If you asked the average person, you said, hey, do you happen to have two hours open in your calendar today with nothing planned that you could just set up your online bill pay? Most of us would be like, no, no, I don't have two hours open. Are you kidding me? I, I, have, I have things that are so much more important than setting up online bill pay. I, I mean, I have, I've got meetings, and I have projects, I have these things that I'm all trying to manage. Um, and I don't have time. And, and why would I spend two hours anyways to set up online bill pay? Well, that response would be classic of somebody who is using yesterday's time management thinking of urgency and importance uh, in, in you know trying to solve today's time management problem. Well, if you make the significance calculation and you say, well, yeah, I don't have two hours to set up online bill pay today. In fact, I never will. It never, inside of the construct of one day, it never makes sense to spend two hours um, setting up something that I could just pay my bills in, in 30 minutes. But if you spend two hours setting up online bill pay and it saves you 30 minutes a month um, from paying those bills, then after four months, you will have broken even on the time that you've invested, and every month thereafter, you will get something that we refer to as ROTI, return on time invested. Um, and so that is an example of significance. It's spending time on things today that create more time tomorrow. That's great. If you wanted to dive in a little bit more into the funnel, I'm sure people would be happy to hear about that. I'll make sure an image gets put up in the show notes and links to your site as well get made into the show notes. But go ahead and talk about a little bit some of the emotional reasons behind the focus funnel and each of the layers. Uh, that's what I feel like the biggest value add of reading this book was, is re realizing, oh, this is why I have a hard time delegating, or oh, this is why I have a hard time eliminating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, first of all, the, 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 the number one major difference for how this book is is radically different from anything you've ever read on time management is the significance part, um, which we learned from profiling ultra performers. And we have about 900 active people in our one-on-one -on -one coaching program at Southwestern Consulting. So we're working in the daily lives of, of people on a regular basis. And um, 
The other thing that we learned that was radically different, we learned from a two-year-old. Um, and I was, I was with my, at my business partner's house on a Saturday morning, and he has this two-year-old baby girl named Haven. And she's the cutest little doll. I mean, she has cute curly brown hair and these sweet brown eyes and a little southern accent. You know, we live in Nashville, so she has like a southern accent developing. And and I'm, I'm picking Dustin up, and we had a really important meeting on this. Uh, it was a Saturday. We don't normally work on a Saturday, but we're leaving his house, and Haven comes running down the hallway, and she leaps, and she grabs onto his leg, and she says, Daddy, where are you going? And Dustin looks down at her, and he says, Oh, I'm sorry, baby Haven. Daddy has to go to work today. And tears well up in her eyes. And she says, no, daddy, no work. Please, no work today, daddy. And, and in that moment, Zachary, I realized two things. The first is that I'm not ready to have kids quite just yet myself. Um, <laughs> and the second one was it occurred to me that everything we read about time management is all about tips and tricks and tools and technology and calendars and checklists. It's all logical. But in that moment, looking at Baby Haven, I realized that time management today isn't just logical. It's emotional. And our feelings of guilt and fear and worry uh, and anxiety, they drive our decisions about how we choose to spend our time as much as anything. And so procrastinate on purpose is really about the emotional side of productivity. And if you look at the focus funnel uh, visually, uh, there's five parts to it, each represent a different a way to multiply time and each have a corresponding permission or a, an emotional kind of thing you an emotional permission you have to give yourself at the top of the funnel and the wide part of the funnel is eliminate okay down in the middle part of the funnel is automate and then at the bottom of the funnel is delegate so if all of your tasks and stuff come into the top of the funnel then this is a the the focus funnel is a our attempt at codifying and creating a visual image that represents the way multipliers think unconsciously in their brain. So the first question they ask is, can I eliminate it? Um, and then if they can't eliminate, can I automate it? If they can't automate it, can I delegate it? If, if they can't eliminate it, automate it, or delegate it, then the task drops out of the bottom of the funnel, and then it's a task they know must be done by them, at which point there's only one remaining question, which is, must this task be done now, or can it wait until later? If it must be done now, that is concentrate. That's the permission to protect. That's all about focus and all the things you you normally read about eliminating distractions and just um, concentrating. But if it can wait until later, then you don't eliminate, automate, delegate, or concentrate, but you procrastinate on purpose. And so you we we call it pop. You pop that activity back to the top of the funnel, and you don't procrastinate on it forever. But it enters into this holding pattern where that task is cycling then through the funnel until one of the other four things takes place. It either gets eliminated, automated, or delegated, or it gets concentrated on um, and it gets completed. So that is the kind of the overview of the focus funnel. Um, and like I said, each, each one of those five things, eliminate, automate, delegate, concentrate, and procrastinate on purpose, um, each one of those five things is a way to multiply time. And each of those has an emotional kind of attachment to it, an emotional challenge that we, we have to fight and a corresponding emotional permission we have to give ourselves. All right. One question that I had that was cropping up is, do you have a time in the day or maybe a structure like 30 minutes or an hour where you really look for anything that would be significant? So all those things that 
would give you more time tomorrow? Do you have a, a schedule for that? It's like, all right, let's see how I can systematize this or automate this or delegate this. Or is it just a new mindset that you try to use with all the tasks that come at you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and I think it's really a new mindset of just constantly evaluating things based on significance, constantly being asking yourself the question, is what I'm doing right now going to create more time or more results tomorrow? Is it going to help me scale? Is it going to help me create you know, leveraged results or exponential growth? Um, and so it's kind of just perpetually operating in that mindset. And if something is not, right, like if, I, if it occurs to me that I'm working on a project and I'm like, why am I working on this when I could teach somebody else how to do this and I could delegate it? Well, in that moment, then I need to execute that strategy to delegate. And, you know, when it comes to delegating, for example, um, the reason that most of us don't do it, like if you ask the average business owner or person or whatever, you say, why uh, are there things in your business that you know you could teach someone else how to do? Most people say, yes, of course. And then you say, well, why aren't you doing that then? Why don't you teach somebody else to do it? Well, they would usually say, um, I just don't have the time to train somebody. Uh, you know, that's kind of what they would say. But that response, again, is reflective of not making the significance calculation. And, and to give you an, an empirical explanation of this, let's say you have a task that takes you five minutes a day to do. Uh, there's a rule that we outline in the book that we learned from multipliers that's called the 30x rule. And the 30x rule suggests that you should spend 30 times the amount of time it takes you to do the task once in training somebody else to do that task for you. So if it takes you five minutes, the 30x rule suggests that you would spend 150 minutes training somebody else how to do the task. Now, for most entrepreneurs, right, or small business owners or just leaders in general, a lot of us would say, that is crazy. Why would I spend two and a half hours, right, 150 minutes? Why would I spend two and a half hours training someone to do a task that takes me five minutes? And the answer is, it, it is significance. When you make that significance calculation, the long-term calculation, that changes everything because it never makes sense to spend two and a half hours today teaching someone to do a five-minute task. But if you were to do that task yourself five minutes a day for, say, 250 working days in a year, so if you just take it out just as far as one year, 250 working days times five minutes, that's 1,250 minutes over the course of the year. So now the question changes. The question is no longer, should I spend 150 minutes training somebody to do a five-minute task? Now the question is, is it better to spend 150 minutes training somebody to do it or 1,250 minutes doing, doing it myself over the course of a year? Well, when you frame that question differently, the answer becomes obvious. It makes much more sense to spend that time training. Um, and so that's kind of what we refer to as the permission to invest, the willingness to invest time and money to set up something today that will create more time for you tomorrow. So when you understand that, it becomes obvious that, that you know, delegation makes a lot of sense, except, um, so the real reason we don't delegate, like when you understand the significance calculation and return on time invested, uh, ROTI, the, the whole excuse, I don't have time to train someone, doesn't make any sense. Um, and what you, what you find out then is the real reason we don't delegate is because of a more emotional issue, which is we say, well, this person will never be able to do it as well as I can. And that is true 
maybe once or twice or three times. But again, when you make the significance calculation, you realize that over time, if you allow this person to do it, not only are they going to eventually be able to do it as well as you could, they'll probably be able to do it better than you could because they are going to be specialized. They're going to be more specialized in that task. So what you're really missing is the permission of imperfect, the permission of that short-term window where you allow things to be um, imperfect. Um, or you know, to capture it in one sentence from one of the interviews, from one of the multipliers, they said, 80% done by somebody else is always better than 100% done by me. That's awesome. I love that huge mindset change that you can put on things. You're like, oh, well, if I invest a little time, I'll get a lot versus thinking, oh, I'm investing a lot of time to just get a little return. But nope, you multiply it out and the, the numbers don't lie. So thank you for being so generous with your time. I know you have to run. One last question I have okay. for you is, and this was a, a, a really neat insight for me, but why is doing things early not always mm. optimal? And this is really dives into your procrastinate on purpose idea. I'm glad that you asked this because it is important because this is the connection to the title. Um, you know, if you think back to the focus funnel, uh, if something can't be eliminated, automated, or delegated, then it drops out the bottom of the funnel. And that one remaining question is, must this be done now or can it wait till later? And if it can wait until later, then we are encouraging you and inviting you and challenging you to procrastinate on purpose, which is where the title of the book comes from. It's, the book is really about multiplying time. The subtitle is Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time. That's really what the book is about. The title, Procrastinate on Purpose, is really just one-fifth of what the book is about. Um, and the reason why you procrastinate on purpose is if something can wait, you have to realize doing something early is not the same as creating more time. Doing something early is just taking something from tomorrow, moving it into today, but then the negative impact is you're adding the risk of something that we refer to as unexpected change cost. And anytime you do something before it needs to be done, you have this risk because things change. Dates change, weather changes, plans change, legislation changes, strategy changes. All of these things change. And um, if you've already done something before the deadline and then, and then the constraints change, then you have, to, you have the cost of rework. Here's a, here's a very easy to understand example. Let's say I have a flight and I, I have, I'm traveling. In six months, I'm taking a trip. Well, the chronic overachieving taskmaster in me says, I need to book my flight for my plane ticket. And so what happens is I go, oh, add it to my do list. Uh, you know, I want to book my flight and get that done and cross it off the list. And so because I, I have programmed myself to derive a feeling of importance, of, of value from the quantity of tasks that I'm completing rather than the significance of them, then what I do is I go, oh, I'm going to book that flight because I can check that off and cross it off. Well, there's two problems. Number one, by booking that flight today, which is, is earlier than it needs to be done, I am sacrificing the opportunity cost of what I could be using that time on something else that might be more time limited and might be more significant. But the other negative part about it is let's say we get to 30 days before my trip, and this happens all the time. My plans change, and I want to go in a day early to see family, or I want to stay a day later for a networking meeting, or something happens. Well, now, I have to, not only do I have to re, I have to spend the more time to rebook the flight. Okay. So now I have had two different episodes where I've spent time booking the flight. 
the airline is also going to charge me a what? A change fee. They're going to so there is a, a time and money cost because I did it too early. Why did I do it early? I did it early because I'm addicted to urgency. I'm addicted to deriving this this weird sense of value from the volume of tasks. But but multipliers realize and today's the next generation of of ultra performers realize that success is not related to the volume of the tasks you complete, but rather to the significance of them. And so when you and, and, and that is the permission, and so this dynamic is that there are certain times where you need to procrastinate on purpose. You give yourself the permission of the incomplete. I allow that, I allow myself to be comfortable with the idea of knowing I have to book that flight, but not feeling stressed that I have to book it today because I am intentionally allowing a margin or space for change to take place so that I don't have to do the the rework later. And and it is kind of a challenge because, um, you know, in, in Take the Stairs, you may remember we started the whole show with uh, Take the Stairs is all about the psychology of overcoming procrastination. And people say, well, wait a minute, Rory. I thought you said procrastination was the killer of all success, that procrastination is the most expensive invisible cost in business today, that procrastination is, is the thing that keeps most people stuck in mediocrity. And the answer is I did say that, and that is exactly true, just how I said it, because there is a big difference between waiting to do something when you know you should be doing it and you don't feel like doing it versus waiting because you're deciding that now is not the right time. Waiting to do something that you know you should be doing when you don't feel like doing it. Going to the gym and you, you know you should go but you don't feel like doing it. Or making that sales call and you know you need to do it but you don't feel like doing it. Or completing, starting on that report, you know you should be doing it but you don't feel like doing it. Waiting to do something when you, you know you should do it, but you don't feel like doing it, that is procrastination. That is the killer of all success. That is the most expensive invisible cost in business today. That is the, the, the thing that creates mediocrity. But waiting because you're deciding that now is not the right time, that's not a killer of all success. That's a virtue. In fact, it's a virtue that is a synonym for procrastinate on purpose. And that word is patience. So inaction that results from indulgence is procrastination. But inaction that results from intention, that is patience. Wow. Rory, I have just been truly enjoying sitting back and listening to you share your expertise, especially in the area of priority concentration. It's been eye-opening. I um, that, that patience part versus procrastination is definitely going to shift how I go about doing my to-do list and checking things off and maybe doing it in a slightly different order based on, on how significant things are. Um, so please, before we leave, feel free to give the listeners any parting pieces of advice and then share the best way we can find you online and, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, I would I would say give yourself the permission to go to procrastinateonpurpose.com because there is a free, completely free one-hour webinar that I do where you can see the focus funnel. I walk you through the whole methodology and some of it's pretty radical. So it, it's like you need to spend some time digesting this stuff. It's very different. Um, and so go to procrastinateonpurpose.com. You can watch the free one-hour webinar. Uh, and then from there, you know, it'll be easy for us to stay connected. There's links to my, I do a weekly podcast and my blog and my, you know, my Twitter handle and Facebook and all that stuff. But just go to procrastinateonpurpose.com, watch the free webinar. That's, that's the place to start. Awesome. Thank you, Rory. And oh, I'll be sure to put your procrastination calculator on there. I was running some numbers on myself. I was like, ooh, I, 
I, I lose a lot of money <laughs> procrastinating, and that's on your, your main site, RoryVaden.com. So um, that's great. Thank you so much for your time, and it's, it's been an absolute pr- pleasure, and I'll, we'll see you next time. Well, thank you for having me, Zach. And just one last thing to remember, no matter who you are, just remember that success is never owned. Success is only rented, and the rent is due every day. Boom. I love it. I'll t- talk to you soon, Rory. See you, man. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about optimizing your productivity, visit us at asianefficiency.com.